hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby, it's a lifestyle. Welcome to the Green Top Outdoors podcast with your host, Hunter Brooks. Got two special guests today. I got the uh, Rush Brothers, Luke and Austin. How you guys doing today? Doing good. Yep. Thanks for being here. You guys are have been part of the Green Top family a long time. How many years between the two of y'all combined? 20 years? Probably. I started in 2005. I uh, had a little bit of a stay-at-home dad phase, but um, yeah, I've got probably 12. 2009. Yeah. So we're here with you guys today to talk about uh, trapping. You know, trapping's always uh, been an interesting thing that I've, you know, I've always had been real curious about it. I know you guys have been doing it a long time. Trapping's not exactly, uh, I guess, as popular of a thing to do in the outdoors in this particular region of the U.S., whereas in other parts it's it's huge. But how'd you guys get into it, for one? I mean, and then if I'm a beginner and I want to get into it, I want to I want you guys to really explain to me what it is about trapping or what I have to do to get into it, how you go about doing it, what do you trap, things like that. First of all, how'd you guys get into it? Luke and I got into it probably, I don't know, maybe seven years ago or so. And we had some friends that were brothers as well that we hunted and fished with a lot. We started talking about trapping and showing some interest in that. They had done it a lot growing up and had kind of gotten away from it because of time constraints and so they kind of decided to mentor us Uh, we even got some of our first gear from them stuff that they'd use trapping pretty much you know went from there Um, they helped us the first couple seasons and we just got to watching any videos reading any publications and learning as much as we could about it and kind of just went from there yeah Luke, what about you? you same, same with that. Yeah. I mean, you just, you, yeah, we, you kind of went along with 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 Austin on that, or we pretty much, you know, hunt most things you can hunt in Virginia, you know, and for, for most things, you know, seasons end, you know, into January, beginning of February, gets boring. Um, yeah, so we Nothing were else we were do. thinking like, what this, what can keep us out there in the woods, hold us over till turkey season comes right. up in the spring, so. Yeah, we got to talking about that, and then, uh, also, you know, just the predator control aspect of it, you know, is only going to benefit us as deer hunters, as turkey hunters. Yeah. That's kind of how we started, just wanted to stay out in the woods a little bit longer, you know, um, after the seasons go out, and it was, it was a lot of fun. We learned a lot in those first couple of years, for oh, sure. sure. We still learn every time we go cool. out, but it was something totally new for us and any excuse to be in the outdoors is a good excuse i mean you know and 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 like you the reason why you guys got into it i think a lot of other people have gotten into it the same reason because you know it's like the post hunting season hangover you're kind of bummed about there's there's really not a whole lot to do you know we talked recently about you know predator hunting and coyote hunting and crow hunting things like that after after duck and goose season kind of go out you have that small period of time between now and spring gobbler season where there's just not a lot going on you know unless you can catch up with some guys that go rabbit hunting or squirrel hunting or whatever the trapping aspect is is neat because well it, the history behind trapping is it's a ton of history behind it mm-hmm. you know i mean this was the the way a lot of people made their money long long time ago i'm a, i'm a history guy and i mean i've i've enjoyed learning more about it as far as uh trapping itself to anybody that's a beginner to it you can't just trap year-round you can't just go around and do it year-round can you no uh certain things you can like um you know if beavers for 
per se, like if you have um, beavers destroying your property or your, your crops on, on your own land, then yes, but um, there are, you know, fur bear seasons, you know, most of your, your land animals, um, the season starts around like November 15th, I think is when it came in this year, um, runs through the end of February. Um, then, you know, your water animals, your beavers, your otters, muskrats, stuff like that, December 1st is when that comes in and runs through the end of February as well. Okay. Even to have a big big barn or big shed, they have these groundhog issues, um, and they, they want somebody to come in there and get rid of them, whether, and, and it's maybe in a place where you can't exactly shoot them, but it's a place where you can, you can trap them. It's just kind of word of mouth. I mean, people just contact you just because somebody knows that somebody who says, yeah, well, I know the, the rush boys, they, they, uh, they do some trapping. They can probably help you out with your, with your problem. Yeah. So we definitely, as we got into maybe our second, third year or so trapping, we had a few people actually reach out to us, just friends of friends uh, that had issues. Um, like you said, a lot of times, you know, with beavers, there's a couple nurseries that we trapped for that, you know, beavers were cutting down valuable trees and things like that. A couple, you know, private landowners that had beavers damaging their their property and stuff like that but when we first started we did a lot just kind of like deer hunting we got on you know google maps or on x and kind of looked at some of the different you know farms in the area things like that and went and knocked on doors um and that's how you know we were able to acquire some of the trapping that was another thing that kind of drew us into the trapping was you know, there's there's tons of people that, that deer hunt and waterfowl hunt. It's harder to find places sometimes to do that because most of the time there's already folks that, that do those things. There's not as many people who did, you know, a lot of trapping around here. Like you said, it's not the most popular thing. So right. that was a – you got yeah, a few get, more yeses. Um, yeah, it gets you in with the landowner too, though. Exactly. Yeah, I, I didn't really think of it that way. But, hey, if you get on a landowner's good side, do a favor for them. You never know, man. You might be giving our you might be scouting away. that place in the in the fall. Away. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, we did we did uh, trade some trapping for some permission for some, to, to for hunt. some hunting yeah. time or yeah. fishing time too. Yeah. You know, yeah. they, they might have a, a killer pond. You know, to go out there and catch some bass or some crappie or something like that. I'm on to you guys. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know I know what you're doing now. But being out there, you just never know what you're going to see in the outdoors or in the wild. And, and, and I'm sure you've thought you're going to trap one particular thing, but you end up with something different. And is trapping kind of like fishing? I mean, you kind of don't know sometimes what you're going to get? Yeah, you, you know, you, you definitely set certain, you know, setups and, and use certain traps for certain critters. But, yeah, you never know. It, I always said it was almost like Christmas morning every time you go out there because, you know, you might have 20 traps set and they may all be empty or you may go out there and have five, six, ten animals, you know. Right. And so you never know what you're going to get. One of the more memorable trap sets uh, or checks that I had was we were trapping this creek for uh, some beavers and otters. And I went out and we'd had some pretty decent luck on the beavers. And I went out one day and I noticed as I was getting close to the trap, I saw an otter tail. Then I could see, you know, the other end of the critter, the head, as it was under the water. And I said, man, that's a really long otter. Well, I ended up pulling the trap up and two otters had tried going through the trap at the same time. So, um, no you know, a 10 inch wide trap and caught two otters at the exact same time, which hmm. I'd seen maybe a picture, um, once or twice of 
somewhat you know of folks doing that never thought that you know i'd luck up and catch two at one time but, that's uh, wild like you said this season luke the way it runs i mean is there certain times that you found are better or you just is it just basically when you have time to go out and set traps and then and how often do you need do you check those traps i mean you know you you set them certain day certain morning you go the very next morning and check them or yeah it depends you know in the state of virginia if you're setting uh land traps uh legally you have to check them every 24 hours yep you know with the water traps if if they're two-thirds of the way submerged or more um you only have to check them every 72 hours so every three days so it kind of depends on you know how much time we have you know between the two of us you know awesome might be able to check them one day and i go the next day we just kind of try to you know pick farms or different ponds that you know we can trap continuously for maybe a week or so try to get as many critters out of there as we can you know and then move on to the next spot so right it's definitely we don't trap as much as we'd like to just because we don't have you know a lot of times we don't have well you got to have the time to do it yeah be able to check it every single day you right. know for you know if we're land trapping for for coyotes or, or fox or what what have you right so, but yeah for the land traps every day water traps most of the time you know like i said every 72 hours so how many traps you guys got way more than we need. way more than we need it's like <laughs> more than what's out there right now oh yeah oh yeah we have a lot, but it's it's just like any to me. It's, it's kind of like duck decoys, you know. Yeah. We have a ridiculous amount of duck decoys, but we might use the same mallard, wood duck, and black ducks for you know ninety percent of favorites. what we do. Yeah. But you've got different species, you know. You have different size traps. You have you know a conibear trap, which is you know like a body grip trap. Um, you have you know your foothold traps. You can't. We call them snares, but they're actually cable restraints. You know you have. A cable restraint, which basically means it, it it doesn't lock, so it relaxes. If an animal pulls against it, it doesn't continue to tighten down to where it's not going to relax. So that's just kind of a, a, a term. People say snares, but here we use what we call cable restraints. Anyway, that's a that's a third type of trap. So you got to have a lot of different shapes and sizes to to be able to do you know yeah. different things. And that's the majority of the traps y'all use are, are, are those. You know, you don't do any. You do. I mean, do you have any the uh, uh, what do you what do they call like the like a cage trap? like a cage type trap? I mean, in some occasions it it might require that. I mean, or it's, it's like we, yeah, have you ever had a neighbor that's asked you to to catch something or? Sure. Yeah, we do have some of those. We use them a little bit. One thing that a lot of folks want to try to cut down on are raccoons, and being that sometimes you're doing that, you know, in a setting where you may be around houses or other things, um, they've come out with, rather than using a foothold trap, you use what they call a dog-proof trap. It's it's almost a, it's a cylinder. It's like a can shape. It's got a, a hole in the top. Raccoons, they can, they'll use all five fingers. They'll be able to grab stuff, pick stuff up. They'll reach down into that, whereas a dog with a paw is not going to be able to get his foot down in there. So you use, I may use those if I'm trapping somewhere where I think that, you Near know. Near neighborhood dog, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Because so, you don't want to, I've heard stories of people that have gone out and tried to trap, but they use the wrong type of traps because they're, near a populated area or something and then and people's pets start getting stuck in these traps and right that's, and that's never good that's something we try to be super considerate of here in virginia you know we still have hunting with you know dogs with yeah. hounds and and beagles and whatnot so we've always if we are doing land trapping we've kind of given up our first 
you know month month and a half of the season that we could be trapping right just so that we're not out there even if we have permission to be we try to push that off um at least till after deer season just to try to cut down on the chances of something like that happening you know not to say that it can't still happen but we've been pretty fortunate in that aspect and like i said it's it's give and take we give up a little bit but you know luckily we haven't had to deal with those type issues right that's good yeah i heard a I heard a horror story recently. They were somewhere near here. They were having some coyote issues or something, and I think they wound up hanging up a couple neighbors' dogs or something like that. And it was just, uh, it was a, it was a big disaster. I think these guys had, they kind of regretted trying to do it on their own. They should have just, you know, they should have called y'all, you know, or somebody else that knew what they were doing, you know, because it was, it turned into a freaking fiasco for them. So. Yeah, and you know just while we're on this topic there's some pretty big misconceptions about you know trapping not to talk about that for a long time but a lot of folks think that it's this cruel you know method of yeah, it's you like know, catching un- unethical and getting rid of, yeah, or whatever. yeah exactly yeah. if you do any type of research whatsoever educate yourself a little bit on the topic you'll realize that that's really not the case when i said something about cable restraints if hunting dog was to walk through one of those once he starts to feel that once he pulls on it and it starts to cinch, it almost feels like he's got a collar on mm-hmm. and he stops fighting it. You know, it's not going to choke him out or anything like that, like some of the, you know, snares and stuff that they may use up in Alaska or something for wolves or some bigger critters like that. You know, right. we can't use those type things here. We have uh, breakaway devices that you have to put on them. If a deer gets caught in it, it'll straighten out, you know, at a certain poundage and, and things like that. The foothold traps, they don't break bones. I could stick my hand in one of the bigger traps that we have right now and it would not, you know, break a bone. It, it's made to hold the animal there until you get there. Right. And there's definitely little things, little measures that you can take to make it adding swivels and things like that to your chains to make sure that, you know, these animals even no matter what way they twist, it's gonna do nothing but hold them. It's not gonna, you know, hurt them in any way or whatnot. So that's just one thing that I wanted to point out. And I, I'm not gonna say I didn't have I didn't realize all of this stuff before I got into traps. Sure. I wasn't against it. I didn't think it was terrible or cruel, but the more you get into it and look at the rules that are in place, especially here in Virginia versus other places in the country, um, you realize that it's actually, a, for the most part, you know, it's very harmless to, like you said, cats and dogs and domestic animals, should right. you ever run into that. You know, there's always stuff that we can do. Same as with hunters, you know, extra precautions that we could take to oh, kind of... Yeah avoid anything catastrophic like that happening so but going back to when you were talking about um people would think it's unethical and things like that i i remember not understanding much about trapping until i started reading more about it and back in the day people survived on trapping whether they were the selling the pelts for whatever or they were they were eating what they were trapping whatever i mean obviously that's not what you guys you guys don't survive off the trapping but it's more of a service in a way is is that a good way of putting it or is it uh is it more is it more to it to you guys than than that yeah i mean there's definitely a service aspect to it but it's once you get into it it was just like kind of like hunting and, and fishing for us i mean we grew up hunting and fishing our whole life it's just another thing kinda, to do it's kind of in your blood you know yeah. and um we just love being out there and doing it and like i said yeah we we do eat some of the critters we catch and you know a lot of people don't like it, but we eat beaver. How do you cook it? 
Just like yeah, you cook would. cook it like deer meat. Just cook I mean, it like deer meat, grill it up. You got to cook it a little bit lo- longer, you know. Yeah. Most, I mean, I, I eat deer meat, medium rare, medium, you know. Mm-hmm. You do got to cook it a little bit more thorough. The flavor's good. I mean, so we, we do, we eat some, we, we do sell some of the pelt. So, I mean, there's a little bit of money. We're not getting rich off it by any means. Right. But, yeah. you know, at least pay for our gas money to yeah, go exactly. check the traps. Exactly. But, um, and then that, that whole fur. You know the process of of handling the fur. You know that's a, another side to to the trapping, but we just enjoy it. Do you know? ever trap something to relocate it? Technically, by Virginia state law, you're not supposed to, because say that particular animal had some type of disease, or right. um, you could be relocating it only to make it somebody else's problem. Now, have we caught and released stuff? either was small wasn't worth the pelt or anything like that yeah yeah absolutely quick story on um on the beaver meat i wrapped a tenderloin one time albeit smaller a tenderloin a beaver tenderloin yes okay or backstrap we'll say that a backstrap basically like like a deer they're herbivores so it's a very i mean it's they're eating plants just like a deer would so just same gamey yeah, yeah. I mean, it's same, similar texture and everything like that. Well, I, I bacon wrapped one of these back straps one time and uh, cooked it at a uh, cookout at a place back uh, in Caroline. Where oh, you, yeah? Yeah. And I, I, um, I, I, I see where this is going. I, I served this <laughs> after the hot dogs and hamburgers at said cookout without telling anyone exactly what it, what it is. I said, hey, just try it. If you don't want to try it, that's fine, but try it. I think everybody but one person said that it was delicious did you tell the funny oh after after they tried it i did (laughs) one of the funniest parts is um i believe it was your brother was at this event he thought that it was really good and he's a he's an executive chef and so i was very surprised (laughs) he was asking me what i marinated it in and everything but yeah i mean that's about as far as we go with the stuff that we trap and eat you know most of the other stuff is is predators and stuff that but um and then you, and that's when you really got to be careful how you cook it. Yeah. I mean, because like uh, even raccoon, people eat raccoon all Down the time. South, it's I mean, it's a, a it's big thing. Big Louisiana, thing. Mississippi, they make barbecue I mean, with it or whatever. I mean, yep. and then and I guess you, depending on how you cook it, I mean, it can it can come out turn out really good. A lot of your, um, I guess your predators, any any meat eating animal. You really, it has to be what pretty much well done, or it's, yeah. I can't remember what the temperature is. It, internal it does, temperature and it because of, was it trichinosis? I it? believe that's the one, but it it's also very it's very tough. Yeah, those sure critters they don't put on a lot of fat. They're constantly on the move all throughout hard winters and things like that. So they're an extremely lean animal. Right. I haven't dabbled in that. I've I've read posts where people have tried it, and if you wrap anything in bacon, it's not too bad. That's true. But yeah. <laughs> um, but now nah, for for now, you know, we try to use everything that we can. That's another thing. Yeah. Whether it's you know saving and doing like European mounts with the skulls on some oh, of the yeah. predators yeah. and things like that. Like Luke said, the pelts and beaver tail oil. Yeah, making oil out of the glands or beaver tails or things like that. So there's a whole lot more to it than just putting the trap in the ground. Same with hunting. It's not all about killing the animal, but it's the preparation before it and respecting the game after. Yeah, exactly. It's no different than hunting. I mean, you're you're doing the same thing you would as 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 if you were hunting a a white-tailed deer or a turkey or whatever. It's 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 all about the 
control the population, things like that. I mean, it's ongoing. It's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. You said, uh, was it the beaver you were cooking? You said everybody, everybody enjoyed it, and except for one person. But did, did it, were you? Did anybody guess at what it was, or was no, it? They they, they just had, said, "Oh, this is delicious." Yeah, I mean, it to them, it just you know, I'd cut it up and it looked like little small pieces of bacon, like little tender steak or something. Or something. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, the one person who didn't care for it as much afterwards, I think it was just it was a mental thing. To be yeah. honest with you, was the flavor fine? Did it taste good? Right. They probably would have to tell you yes. You know, right. it just ended up being kind of a mental thing. That was pretty funny. My wife wasn't too crazy about me pulling that prank, but, you know. <laughs> if me or somebody listening wants to get into trapping, dollar figure, what's it What's it going to cost to to get into it? If I've I've got property, I got I got property landowners that 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 I can easily go to, you know, nothing no issues there, but I need to spend an initial amount of money to get into it. What's that dollar what figure look like? Startup cost. Yeah, startup cost for for the basic traps and so uh, hip. I mean, do I need probably need some hip waders or yeah. chest waders, things like that. So again, I would dial it down to to what you really want to go after. I mean, if you're trying to just catch everything on this piece of property, you're going to be you know getting all types of traps and things like that. If you're going to water trap, getting some long like elbow gloves hip waders things like that traps body grip traps like the 330 size trap which is used for beavers and otters things like that i haven't looked at the recent prices but if say you you know they probably come in half dozens if you're going to get maybe a dozen to get started you know you're probably looking at a couple hundred bucks for that setters for setting them there's lures and things just like you know there is for deer and whatnot go back to the gloves for a second what the hell you need the gloves for because the it, water's cold, it's freezing. <laughs> sometimes we're setting these. Sometimes we're setting these traps. So how um, deep are you setting the trap? Well, it depends. Sometimes, um, usually we we wait to do this until we have cleared out most of the critters. But some of the sometimes the last ditch effort will be to set the two entrances going into a beaver hut. Right. Okay. Well, those could be you know it could be in chest deep water, and you can feel it with the bottom of your you know with your feet. You can feel the bottom. You know, it'll be about 10 to 12 inches wide, and it'll be hard bottom from where they're going in and out. So in, in those cases, you've got a what you would call an H stand. Usually it's four foot tall. You you set your trap, slide it onto that stand, and that's what stabilizes it. And then you'll, you know, line it up, get, you know, stand out there, get where you need to get, and then drive that down in the mud. So you when can you go, go anywhere, you can go anywhere from the trap being, like Luke said, half or two-thirds out of the water to being, you know four feet submerged four yeah. feet yeah and and how do you know that you got something when you go back the next day on a, on a trap on like a that? trap like that if the water's not clear enough to where you can see a lot of times you'll see the top of the h stand sticking out of the water and you can tell if it's knocked to the side or it's right. you know something like that um you can tell that something has probably hit that trap otherwise usually I make Luke wear the waders, and he goes out, <laughs> Go and he'll swim. feel around the bottom there with his feet. You know what yeah, I mean? But either that, or I'll, I'll take a long stick just in case something. Say we didn't line the trap up perfect, and something maybe hit the side of the stand and, right, and right, knocked right. it over. Well, and the that, trap's still set. Yeah, I don't want to step on it. Obviously, that, right. so yeah. I'll that was my next stick. question. You know, which one of y'all have uh, gotten stuck in your own traps before? Yes. Anybody? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think we both have, but. Uh, there's one 
very memorable time for me. I was setting setting a pond for some beavers, and uh, there was a a bank. I stand on the bank. There was kind of like spillway behind me, and uh, I could see the you know crossover. Whereas I could see where the beaver was coming up. It was slick mud where he was crossing over and going down on the other side and cutting trees down. So it was a perfect spot for a trap. And I was I'd set the uh, the three thirty kind of bear trap. So they have these. T- they have two safeties on on the uh, the springs. And so once you get it all set, you get it where you want it. You flip those safeties off. And then the trap's ready to go. Well, somewhere in the process of me getting ready to set the trap, the safeties had come off, and I didn't know it. Um, mm. and, and so I, I'm fiddling with it. I'm, you know, trying to get it in place. And I don't. I, th- I think maybe a stick hit the trigger because I was kind of underneath some trees. It went off. After, well, let me say I'd I'd already cabled the trap off to a tree. That way, you know, if we caught something. It's not going to take a trap with it. Right. right. And and it's got, had a little, you know, we had a, an extension cord on it. That way, um, you know, if the the beaver fights for a minute or, you know, we got wind or something, it'll hopefully go out of the way of that, that crossover so it doesn't ed- educate other beavers. Right, you know? right. So anyways, I'd already cabled it off to a tree. And then, yeah, trap went off. And it didn't get one, but it got both of my hands <laughs> in the trap. Um, and I'm by myself. Austin wasn't there. Down the back of this pond, nowhere, nowhere, nobody could hear me if I even screamed for help. Right. So yeah, I was stuck there. I mean, I couldn't go. I was cabled off to the tree. I had both of my hands stuck in it. Luckily, one <laughs> one hand was only like the kind of the tips of my fingers. So right. Kind of lean the trap on its side, and I used my knee to kind of compress one of the the the, le- the springs on mm-hmm. the side down enough to rip my hand out and so i got one hand out was able to reach my my setters and kind of do the same thing use the ground as leverage and and pop my other hand out but uh yeah it didn't feel didn't feel good it was did, i'm sure it was painful and it was then, very, uh, yeah it was painful and it was snow on the ground and stuff i just remember taking my i had my gloves on took my gloves off and you know my fingers were already purple and i just stuck them right in the ice and the snow on the bank until they were numb enough where i couldn't feel it anymore and uh yeah that was that wasn't fun that was not a good feeling no i bet now yeah especially when you're out there uh, by yourself and my phone was in the truck and not that i could have got it anyways because both my hands were stuck so (laughs) that was early on in in our trapping adventures can't not to say that we hadn't had situations like that yeah. happen, but you know it's yeah. Well, it was you, definitely a learning experience. Yeah, in the outdoors enough, things like that are going to happen. Yeah, and there's just nothing you can do about it. I can say it definitely made me more aware of <laughs> where my hands were and and making sure those safeties are on until I am ready to walk away from that trap. Yeah. So it was a good learning experience. It's, I, it's funny now to talk about it. I. You know, I told Billy out there at the archery counter that story before, and he he laughs hysterically every time. Just picture well, he's, me. He's trying to picture you. Yeah, just yeah. picture me down I'm, that's there. That's what I'm stuck. trying to do. I'm like picturing you. you like know, I felt like I, with your I hands stuck in this trap, looking around, thinking, "Oh crap, man! I don't yeah, know what. What am I going to do? do? Yeah, yeah, not a good time. <laughs> Austin, he uh he got himself pretty good one time in his backyard. 
Yeah, that was. Um, I, I was also at home by myself, and this was um, just me trying to scratch the itch because I couldn't get out and and do some other trap. And so I was going to catch um, the overabundant squirrels that I had in the backyard, uh. and um, I basically had a, a a board that went between two trees, and they used it like a runway back and forth. And um, so I was going to set a couple of these um, foothold traps there um, so that as they ran across there I'd hopefully snag one so I was standing on a 5 gallon bucket up off the ground I'd already nailed the uh, trap chain to the tree and um, as I was doing something somehow the trap um, popped off the little nails that I had there and it swung around and caught me right um, like on the fatty part under my bicep um, you know on the underside of your arm which is not an easy place to get to with my other hand no, to uh-uh. to uh to get out and Especially um, when you're balancing on a five gallon bucket <laughs> i was on a five gallon but i was scared i was gonna fall and it was just gonna you know uh, leave a chunk of me out there in the trap but um somehow i was able to reach the hammer and pry the nail off i then had to climb down go into my garage and ponder how i was going to get my hands to the two levers um being that it was on the underside of my arm and um you know that that's that's so, a kind of tender spot yeah. so it, it hurt pretty bad i had a pretty nasty Lepa. bruise yeah. that was kind of a um that was just a stupidity move on my part well, um either that or some anti-trapper out there wished this on you yeah, and that's you probably, and that's probably what it was you know so I, i'm I guess, pretty sure that my wife said that it was karma for uh <laughs> for the trapping that i'd been doing but um yeah, eventually yeah. it's going what goes around comes around right you can get it does. caught in your own trap but um you know going we to still that, have we, all our 10 fingers though, uh, so that's, that's good. good yeah yeah <laughs> well we you know it, the stories are, are funny they they you know hurt and or embarrassing at the time but i mean we've used some of these you know stories with with customers when they come in here you know some people are very scared of yeah. you know the traps i mean they are under a lot of tension and things like that you do have to respect them um you know they have uh, things such as the safeties and whatnot um so you don't have to be scared of them but um you know it's it's like any kind of tool i mean you know you have to you know respect it and use it you know properly and read the directions read the directions so uh (laughs) so that's one thing that we stress to folks you know when they come in here you know we see a fair amount of folks coming here um you know after the season saying hey i want to you know try to take care of some you know coyotes or fox that's you know getting around my chickens or something like that um you know like you mentioned it's not a you're not going to find a lot of those what they call long line trappers here that are running miles and miles and miles and trapping um basically for three to four months straight like it's a full-time job yeah um the market is just dismal as far as selling furs for one thing but also we don't have you know we don't have the you know the amount of say large tracts of public land and things like that like they do out in the midwest um so yeah know, a lot here, of guys out there they make a living off of this stuff yeah, yeah. and they might just make like a, just like somebody did 300 years ago or whatever yeah. they might make a loop of you know of 200 miles you know in a day and check you know 100 150 traps yeah you know and then you know pull up after a week week and a half and, and go set on another huge track you know we we don't really have um it's hard to do that here because yeah. everything's 
so broken up most of it's privately owned so unless you really get out there you know and, and knock on doors and, and find um enough consecutive pieces to make some type of loop you know it's hard well, to do how that. you, you got to keep track of that somehow too like i mean back in the day how would somebody keep track of all their traps um so, without a you know without something like uh a cell phone now where you can mark all your stuff where you have it because it's just like trail cameras i mean if i sometimes i've had like I don't know how many trail cameras out. I, I lose track. And next thing you know, somebody in my club is like, hey, I found this camera. <laughs> and it's two months, three months after the season. I'm thinking, man, that, that's my camera. It's got my name on it. That's why I put my name on it in case somebody finds it. But, you know, you got to try to keep track of all your stuff because, like you said, you you need to check it every 24 hours. Right. Um, and and I, don't, I don't know how people would do it, you know. Yeah, I mean. It, I can't imagine a job doing that all day every day yeah so maybe kind of cool in a way it would be awesome if you could uh you know do that every make day any type of um you know respectable you know living doing that yeah. but um I, w- I would love that but it it's hard work but between you know luke and i you know i might go set traps one day and luke's not there so i do need to have a way of marking them yeah um you know if it's a place that i'm not worried about other people being around and snooping around you know sometimes i'll use flagging orange you know ribbon or whatnot mm-hmm. to mark it um sometimes if there's going to be other folks around i don't necessarily you know want them poking around or, or you know they they may may not like the fact that i have a trap there even if i have permission to have it there so um you know in those instances we try to you know keep a a kind of a list or journal of some sort you know kind of descriptions of, of where these things are but you know as far as back in the day i mean yeah you just you'd have to mark them in some way it could be you know breaking a branch or, or making some kind of trail marker you, you don't want it to be super obvious right. to other people or to competition or whatever but yeah that's i mean you really have to be diligent about that as well because yeah. you don't want to forget one of those traps and not check it for a period of time going back to the beavers you said something about beaver oil what do you use that for so there's a couple different things like so they have a gland called like a castor gland it's used commercially it's in a lot of like perfumes it's kind of a sweet smell um, but they'll use it you might see on the side of a pond or a river or something there'll be a big pile of mud and leaves They'll push those up on the bank, and then they'll secrete that caster on it. Uh, it's kind of like marking their territory, kind of like, a, say, a buck making a scrape. You mm-hmm. know? And so all the other beavers in that area know that, that smell and know that that's from that beaver. What we do, um, we'll try to, and like I said, we use every part of the animals that we can. Um, so we'll, when we're skinning, after we skin the, the animal, we'll cut those glands out and and use that as natural bait i mean a couple different things i mean if you're using the same area that's you know the beavers are used to that smell that smell yeah um and they'll come check it out but also if we're in a different area using that it smells like hey that's that's somebody new that's we're not used to smelling that that beaver so they're going to come up they'll get curious they'll come up and check out um and we can use that um to make mock, um, you know, sets where we make a caster mount so it looks like that beaver has done that. Um, and so we'll utilize that in our favor. It's also cheaper than buying, you know, a bunch of beaver lure. Right. <laughs> um, so we'll do that. And then, um, yeah, I know we 
the the beaver tails you know the i know all, i think you've messed with some stripping like the leather um off the tails and then it's very it's basically just nothing but big chunk of fat yeah um well and i know you've done that as well we'll cut up render the the oil out um of that you know just trying to utilize everything that you, we can you use everything you can yeah so you'll yeah. cut the, cut that up and um you know maybe like one by one inch cube something like that you'll put it in in some type of airtight container um plastic preferably um and you know you'll basically leave it out in the sun you know and what will happen over time is the oils will come out of that um, and then you can take that oil and then use it if you're, you know, making lure for, say, predator, you know, predator traps and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, that's another thing that I've seen folks way up north eat. Um, I've it's heard it's pretty good. It's it. the beaver tails. Oh, the beaver tails. Yeah. Not the leather part on the right, outside. Right, right, right. Um, yeah. The internals. But it's, again, it's, it's pretty much kind of just fat. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't dabbled just... I haven't dabbled in that. I've watched some YouTube videos of I mean, folks like doing you it. Add it, you know, like cooks cook it in some. They'll like grill it. meat, or oh, yeah. they just grill it. They'll grill, just grill it. Grill so the fat. It's kind of like a like a pork rind. Yeah. Well, <laughs> almost, you know, just imagine um, maybe like cooking a flounder with the skin on. You know how yeah, it's yeah, soft, yeah. and you just yeah. kind of peel it off. Just kind of peel it back. Yeah. Yeah, and then um, yeah, and then having at it, but I I don't hmm, haven't I haven't messed with yet. that. Yeah, I guess when you love the older guys, like you know, hunt hundred years ago especially up up north um northern states and into canada uh you know that it's pure fat i mean when they're up there in the winter time and it's cold good for you that yeah that and you need those fats that i know a lot of you know use more so probably years ago yeah when uh you know you you ate what you could get your hands on but it's like that movie the revenant you ever you've seen that yeah, i'm yeah. sure i mean yeah, back then, I mean, you'd probably eat anything you possibly could to survive. Yep. I mean, I, you know, and, and then just trying stuff. I mean, who knows? I mean, like like you said, was this up in Pennsylvania? You've heard these people eat the beaver tails? Or no, whatever? that's further south. So it's further south? Or, excuse me, the beaver tails, yeah, up north, Canada. and They eat um, a lot of muskrats up there, too. Oh, yeah. I've heard that. I've seen, like, on TV shows where, like, it's – Something similar to like a golden corral, like a buffet. They have like <laughs> literally have muskrats at, on the buffet. It, well, I guess you don't know till you try, it, you know. Yeah. And that's what some people. It's just they've been brought up that way, you know. It's just a tradition to to do that, and you, you know, if somebody probably just said was hungry enough one day. Let me just, I'm gonna eat this beaver tail, yeah, <laughs> yeah. and just see how it tastes. But like you said, man, it's it's during the winter time when you're trying to put on the fat and stay warm and yep. stay healthy. I mean, you you do what you got to do. You can't give much fattier than that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, how thick's a beaver tail normally? Oh man, you get a big one. It's it's a solid inch, inch and a half thick of just straight fat. Mm. Twelve inches long, six, seven inches wide, either bigger, just a big chunk of fat. And uh, they make some cool stuff out of it. I like Luke said. I tried. Um, I tried taking and and tanning some of the the actual leather um i didn't do as good a job as like if you just sit it to a professional tannery but uh but they make leather products you know wallets and stuff out of this beaver tail leather hmm. and 
it's uh it's pretty cool we've sent some stuff off and got it tanned um we've got some you know stuff in our man caves or whatnot um you know otters and raccoons and fox and muskrats and stuff like that so so i mean i guess is is beavers the number one thing you guys have trapped in the past i mean that's what most people are after it, it one big reason that we've done that is a there's more people willing to let you come trap those because yeah. if people have those they're probably having some type of issues yeah. with them um so visible visible yeah they can visibly see the damage yeah. that they're causing um and the other thing that's kind of drawn um us to doing that a little bit more is the you know the three-day check um you know like luke said it's both have family so it's kind of hard to yeah. you know be able to check something every single day so um you know we just kind of shifted to doing doing a little bit more of that yeah. where we can space it out a little bit well the so and i think you someone of y'all mentioned this in the beginning all right so if somebody's got a major beaver issue and it's uh, it's it could be early summer and they does the do they call like dwr and the dwr establishes all right this you got a serious problem and then they get somebody from dwr to come do it for them or they just say you have permission to get a trapper in here and they could call like you two to come in or 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 somebody else that traps and then they have the permission to come in and do it or is it is is it year-round for beaver um no it's not year-round um you know it is a fur bear season yeah. and and to to utilize the the fur anything you know from these you you wouldn't want to trap them any earlier than december you know um you you want to do kind of the later you go the the more prime the fur and stuff like that is but for you know nuisance purposes and things like that um i don't have the book obviously in front of me but it it the regulation book reads that you know if a landowner's having you know um issues damage to their property yeah. then the landowner can or an agent that they choose meaning they can give permission to okay. someone to come in to um take care of the beavers and um you know you can't you can't hunt beavers you know with a gun right but um i think you know under those circumstances you can also shoot them as well so it's yeah. I, it's not as technical as having to maybe get um somebody to come out and give you dmap tags for deer where they right. have to um you know come out and actually see the damage quantify it give you a certain number of tags type thing um you can't just go out there you know for fun and set beaver traps um you know but you know, a landowner does have the right if the they property is, you know, yeah. being damaged. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, like I said, yeah, you can shoot them. I think the only um, stipulation is if there's some kind of firearms ordinance in that right. county. Um, but, yeah, it's up to the landowner's discretion and how or who, you know, they either they do it themselves or get an outside agent to do it. And we've dabbled in that a little bit but there's one thing i can tell you it's you know walking around in the mud and lily pads when it's like 9500 degrees out yeah, there no is not a fun time to be out there trying yeah. to to trap there's definitely a time yeah. there's definitely a time you know uh for it you know in the colder months but uh 
going out there and messing around with snakes and leeches and, mm-hmm. and all that is, is not fun. But folks that do it, you know, folks that have their nuisance trapping licenses and they do it as a living, I mean, they will do this stuff, you know, year round. That's the not so glorious, you know. Yeah, you got to really love it. it. But, um, <laughs> but at the same time, you know, the only way that I can see ever really um, making any type of living with the trapping type thing um, would be to get into something like that, to right. get into where you have your nuisance license and more or less you're getting, you know, paid to come out and set up, paid, you know, by the critter, you know, to remove them and things like that, mm-hmm. where some of your money is guaranteed, leaving your money or leaving your, um, you know, the, the pelt, sending them up to auction, you know, where they might get, you know, $30 or they might get four dollars you know is is definitely a big gamble and you know the way the market's been fluctuating yeah um, and which is odd because i never thought of what the market is for for pelts and stuff i'm sure i'm sure the market just like like it is for that just like the the timber market or the gun market whatever it is i mean i'm sure it all it like you said it fluctuates and from everything that i've read you know outside countries we don't consume or use a lot of fur here i mean we sell fur garments sure yeah but you know um russia china um places like that fur is is much bigger so we export a lot of the stuff that is trapped here and and canada and things like that they'll go to these auctions these fur companies will buy them in bulk and then they'll take them trim them out you know make garments with that um you know when when we are um on not so great of terms with some of these countries mm-hmm. or, you know, have trade embargoes or things yeah. like that going on. Mild, you know, mild winters there. Yep. Things like that um, affect it big time. And, you know, when, um, you know, when folks, when when stuff isn't selling well, um, you know, the top, the top of lot stuff is, is still not going for that much money. People continue to do trap you know trap a lot for quantity and continue to send stuff up there just saturates the market so that's why you see things go up and down the year that we got into it um it was like the year before that was one of the biggest years and the highest prices in 20 25 years now that's not why we got into it um it's always nice to have a hobby that you do get some type of return on yeah, considering sure. we spend so much money on right. hunting and fishing and <laughs> and things like that but um basically of the stuff that we we trapped our first year i mean by the time that stuff you know would have gone to market it it kind of tanked again right you know so um not exactly the reason that we do it we do it a whole lot more for predator control for permission to access properties things like that but um but yeah that's that's kind of how the fur market thing goes like you said years you know 100 150 years ago i mean that was the job i mean folks going across the country and in canada i mean could make very very good money um you know doing that type stuff but slowly it's you know become a little bit more obsolete sure and um so hopefully it'll continue to to go in the right direction um you know well it's just uh you know and it's a that's a good note to end on is you know it's one of those uh things 
like like hunting or doing or fishing you know a lot of things in the outdoors it's it's a dying thing and Mm -hmm. you want to continue to get people involved in things like this um you know it's not it's not for everybody you know um i wasn't brought up taught trapping but uh brought up doing other things outdoors and um i've always kind of been intrigued by and i think it's one of those things where it's something good to get into you know you may have a use for it down the road it's a good thing to know how to do and um you know teach a teach a kid something about it you know get him outdoors and and just show them there's more to to life than than xbox and Mm -hmm. uh iphones and stuff like that you know yeah and i've taken um now they've gotten a little older now um but i took my daughters you know um they would help go set traps check traps things like that um you know taught them a lot got a lot of awesome pictures and memories from from doing that like i said they're getting a little older now so they're you know and a little bit different things these days than going out and doing that sure. with me but i've got a four-year-old son who's who's coming up and i mean he loves doing anything to do with hunting fishing trapping and stuff like that yeah. and they like, like getting I said, dirty too when they're that age they don't care if they get dirty exactly and, and they might you know like i said my daughters will probably never ever go out and trap you know what i mean right. um, my son may not either but you know it it's good to They'll have the experience exactly you know? it's good to learn some of those skills because like you said anytime you can um be self-sufficient yeah absolutely um, you know it's not a bad thing no not at all that's you know, pretty pretty cool like austin's oldest daughter um you know she was ch- going checking traps with us some and so um we got some of those the dog proof raccoon traps and uh you know they were white plain white so you know i spray spray painted one pink and one purple and those were <laughs> those were her traps those were her you know? traps so yeah. when we went and you know stuff like that it you know gets them Give it a more, little more enjoyment. Yeah. 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 You get more involved and excited. Like she knows when we're going down the line, like this is where we set her trap. So right. she's getting all pumped up, you know, to go check it. So, you know, little things like that, um, you know, makes it. Well, but, you know, as a kid, you know, she'll probably remember going and doing those things. I yeah. mean, those are, those are memories she'll probably never forget. And, you know, she may be, I don't know in 10 years she might be embarrassed to talk about it with some of her friends but then again she might not you know because she, she'd be terribly embarrassed yeah. if she heard me do, <laughs> talking about it right now um she uh but it's just one of those things that you have experience doing i mean she has experience doing something that not a lot of kids in america have experience doing and, yeah and that's, exactly. that's it's a great it's a cool thing you know i mean and for her to be able to to talk about and know about you know this thing called trapping you know, when she goes to college and, and she's telling her friends about trapping whenever she was a kid, you know, it's just not, not, there's not a lot of kids that, or there's not a lot of teenagers or even young, young adults that, that can, that even know what that, what it's all about, you know. Thanks guys for being here. I appreciate it. This was uh, enlightening to me and I, hopefully it was enlightening to a lot of uh, others, but you, you know, you guys are, have been doing this a long time, Austin and Luke Rush. So uh, anybody comes to Green Top, uh, see see one of these guys. If you got uh, you want to get into some trapping, archery, fishing, wherever, these are definitely outdoors guys. So um, thanks again for being here, guys, and um, we'll have you on again soon. Yeah, man, thanks for having. Me. All right, yep, absolutely, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Green Top Outdoors podcast. Hunting, fishing, and all things outdoors. It's not just a hobby; it's a lifestyle. Like and subscribe to the Green Top Outdoors podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and learn more about Green Top 
at greentophuntfish.com.